Everybody, good to see you. Please join us if you'd like. After every service, for those of you who are eavesdropping, I hope you are. Um, <laughs> um, we look into the scripture we were at in the service, and we come in here and we just open it up um, in an expository fashion. And it's an open form sermon, pretty much, where we open the word and we can talk about it together. And so, for Matthew, which is weird to say, who's been in Luke, right? Matthew um, 21 today, <coughs> verses 1 to 17. And um, before we get into this, Father, thank you for the opportunity to come with these, your people, to into this, your word about this, your son. Um, help us understand by the power of your Holy Spirit, who proceeds out from you, um, to teach us all the significance of what's in Jesus who came out from you as well sent by you and as well went out to in his own initiative um, and we thank you so much for sending him help us to look into these things and see the significance um, of God in these things and we pray for our brother uh, Rob and we pray for his heart that you would ease him and grant him rest in that place that his blood pressure would drop um, from having peace in you and the, the circumstances in his life that uh, go towards the perhaps being anxious or fearful that you would nullify by your grace by giving him blessing into those things. Um, and Jesus, would you go to work on those things uh, that cause anxiety and fear and thank you though for a sensitive heart such as his um, that cares that loves and that feels the weight of things that aren't right and seeks for you that they might be made right. And we ask these things all wanting the same thing in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. All right, yeah. Matthew 120. It is a different thing wearing glasses and contacts. This mic is strange. I like the other one. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, Chapter 1? Uh, did I say chapter 1? Verse 1. 21 verse 1 21 in verse Matthew. One. Yep. All right. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, uh, to the Mount of Olives. This place, Bethphage, is uh, thought to be on the Mount of Olives, really pretty much right outside of Jerusalem. Um, there's Mount Zion, which Jerusalem is, made, is built on, and there's the Mount of Olives right there next to it. Um, and Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. All right, so right now this text is showing us of Jesus' omniscience, that he's not in the town, but he knows what's there. Uh, you'll see this throughout the gospels. Zacchaeus is up in the tree. Jesus knows he there, he's there, and he knows what his name is. They didn't introduce themselves. So Jesus, this is just some, some, this is some sovereign knowledge that Christ has in himself being God. He knows what's about to happen. He has a divine appointment to keep. Um, and also, this is sovereignly provided for Jesus. Um, and it, it, you read through it really quickly. And maybe, maybe, maybe we read over those things. We don't see a lot of significance. 
um, in them, but just that God had this, this donkey colt and its mother with it. Jesus knew about it, having not been there, all to fulfill the scripture that Jesus is going to say in, uh, out of the book of Zechariah in verse 5 when we get to it. Untie them and bring them to me. Now he gives that he sends these two disciples on assignment. If anyone says to you, you shall say the Lord needs them. If anybody stops you, he says, hey, what are you doing? That's my donkey. Hey, that's my neighbor's donkey. What are you doing? Okay, so if they run into any problems like that, all right, Jesus say this, the Lord needs it. So what a person hearing that would understand is the Lord as in this is the Lord's will or God needs this now. Um, and they will be returned back to you. If anyone says anything to you, so say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. The Lord isn't taking their stuff. He's going to send it back to them. All right. So Jesus is uh, going to the Hertz, <laughs> pretty much rent a donkey of um, Bethage. And, um, and this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. Say to, to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. Um, now, this is a young donkey. It's uh, the, the fact that its mother is present here um, is, shows that it's not yet been weaned from its mother. So Jesus was the first one to ride it and the presence of the mother probably stilled the heart of the cult to carry Jesus, okay? Um, Jesus here, as R.C. Sproul says, is consciously fulfilling the works of the Messiah. Um, and Jesus is not trying to make a name for himself by doing this, he already has a name, he doesn't need to make one. Um, but he's doing this to fulfill the word of God. Um, and the donkey, called here a beast of burden, this donkey is carrying the sacrifice into the city, who then takes on all our burdens on himself. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus directed them, they carried out the assignment. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them and put on their cloaks and put them, uh, sorry, and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Jesus is not riding two donkeys here. He's sitting, sitting on the cloaks all piled on the colt. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and cut other branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, this is a characteristic of something you'll find in the Old Testament in 2 Kings. I forget the chapter and verse, but the, the people do this to welcome a king into a town. So it's kind of a foreshadowing back there. And the, the, the people are honoring that because here comes, uh, you know, the, uh, a, a, a hint of the Messiah has been in the air. He's, as Leonard said, he hasn't spent a lot of time in Jerusalem. Uh, he's mostly around the country of uh, around in the country around Jerusalem, mostly northern um, Sea of Galilee uh, of Israel. 
Okay. And spread the branches and on the road. Okay, verse 9. And the crowds that went before him, that followed him, were shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna means, uh, or Hosanna, Hosanna, however you want to say it, uh, is, it means save now. So here comes this one who has the title over his, uh, over his head, Messiah, from all that people were saying. Uh, and they say, Hosanna to the son of David. This is the one who's to come, the promised one who would sit on the throne forever. That's how they rightly said this about him. To the son of David, who would uh, come in the, in the line of David and sit on his throne forever. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a man who's coming in God's name, in God's will, for God's purposes. Hosanna in the highest, save to the uppermost now. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Now, um, there was a lot of people there. The whole It doesn't mean everyone was there, but the whole city was stirred up. This is like the buzz that's in the streets and between the houses. Neighbors are saying, hey, something's happening. Uh, it's spreading out quickly. Jesus is making his triumphant entry and and um, Jerusalem was small enough at the time so that the whole city would have been a buzz all right um, it's not a massive city at this point as far as cities go in the in the uh, in Israel yeah it's a bigger city uh, it's their capital city so to speak um, it's the it's been a main city throughout. Jerusalem has been a main city throughout the scriptures. It's the place where um, Abraham, in the region where he, uh, the whole sacrifice your son for me, Jacob and uh, Abraham and Isaac, and it's the place where that God established um, the city of David. And they, this whole everybody was stirred up and talking saying, who is this? Now, there's a lot of people who knew who Jesus was, and they were directly with him, and then there's a lot of talk, who could this be? And the crowd said, this is what his disciples said, this is what like the, uh, a lot of the consensus was, who were people who were like, excited about the news of this figure coming to town, who people were laying cloaks and branches, this must be someone important if they didn't know who he was. Or maybe they heard that, you know, some of, some of the few, a few of the stories that were coming back from the ministry Jesus had for the three years leading up to this point. Um, and the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. They put that extra tag on Nazareth of Galilee because that really singled out a person. This is such and such of such and such. All right. And that really, that was kind of like their first and the last name back then, how they would uh, refer to people. It's such and such of who? Of this place. Oh, him. Okay. All right. So they said that he's a prophet. Okay. That was like the, the general consensus coming around him. He, he must be a little more than a prophet because prophets don't get that kind of welcome usually. Usually prophets kind of get the boot, not the welcome. All right. Um, and we know. Jesus is much more than a prophet. We remember Je prophets say that here's what he says, but Jesus says, truly, I tell you. Prophets say him, Jesus says me, okay? Prophets are the one who speak, actually, what the Lord gives them to say in many cases. All right, so 
Jesus is coming to town, and they expect this great liberator, and they've got one, but they just don't know what he's going to deliver them from. He, the, the consensus and the cheering, you notice, a week later turns into crucify him, right? All right? Not even a week later. Um, he comes to deliver people from their sin. They want somebody, a uh, political leader, so to speak, who's going to deliver them from Rome. And that's what most of the cheers are going into this. It's, yes, we're going to be free from our oppressors. And not to shame them or anything, if, if, if we were Jews living in the time of the Holocaust, we would have been throwing down cloaks too. Yes, free us from these people, right? I would have. Um, but look, yes. I think it was a mixed bag. So, uh, yeah, some people you see throughout the scriptures who count as his disciples are, they know who he is. They see. They, they, they see through the person and see the, the, pers- the fullness of the person, fully God, fully man. This, or they might not understand it like that, but they see. Um, and then some people. Yeah. Yes. All right. So when we get to Thursday this week, when they get to Thursday, we're going to see that come out because when Jesus says at the table, um, at the last supper at the table, he's going to say, one of you is going to betray me. And they all went around and said, not I, Lord, not I, Lord. But then once it gets to Judas, Judas, who would betray him, answer, is it I, Rabbi? Jesus never went beyond a teacher to Judas. He never saw yeah and that's the same with just anybody in the crowd as well too um and those who did see the lord himself open their eyes they didn't just realize it it was given to them to realize it yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, some, one of the because the, the, the most of the Pharisees that we see in the scriptures never see it, and G, and they and they have in, in John there's this like argument that takes place between Jesus and the Pharisees, and they said we don't believe who who are you? Tell us plainly. He's like Jesus, like I've been telling you this whole time who I am. Now look at my works. You that what does that what do my works say about me? Who do my works say that I am? Who else can do this? Uh, John. Eight, I think that's in there. Well, six through eight, yeah. No, and that's what some of the argument that they have. They're such because there's divisions in the crowds with people. Some say he's this, some say he's that, and then some are like, "Well, has a prophet ever opened the eyes of the blind?" Or like, 
So that he has to be something larger, he has to be something more. This is somebody completely unique. Um, and I love this, this from the scripture. Jesus doesn't fulfill their expectations. He fulfills the word of God. Now, if he would have, now G, this is why Jesus is the perfect Adam, the last Adam, two most important people who ever lived, Adam and Jesus. Either you're in Adam or you're in Christ. And Adam disregards the word of God for his wife when he should have protected his wife with the word of God. Jesus never sways. He doesn't satisfy what the people want. He is what the people need. He could have made them the happiest people on the planet and gone and dethroned Rome. He's God. He has that power. But he doesn't. He goes the way that's prepared for him by the Lord, obey, perfectly obeying the will of God. And if Jesus would have given them what they wanted, no one would be saved. And they don't see it now. They don't appreciate it. They're going to be shouting and cursing at him later in the week as he stands beaten before Pilate. And look, in verse 12, um, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. All right, so they're thinking like he's going to go to the, whatever city hall would have been back then, or he's going to go to Pilate's palace, or he's going to go to like the Roman embassy in Jerusalem. But he doesn't. He goes to the temple. So that has to be the first sign where like maybe he makes a right on Holy Temple Street instead of, hey, the, it's over there. The city hall's down there. He doesn't. His first stop as he enters into Jerusalem. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of money money changers and, and seats of those who had sold pigeons. Okay, so like they turned it into a, just like an average marketplace. This is God's holy temple that he established that is for his name and they're serving their own needs there as a marketplace. We're very cautious about what we do here because of this text. Um, as we open our building up in the future to service the needs of people. That has to remain our motive as we use our building for our community. Um, so this is when maybe they get angry with him for going to the temple and doing all this. I'm sure, I'm sure if you were a merchant and Jesus came and flipped your table, you're like, uh, and yeah, like th this is your first order of business? Like, Oh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were there to make money, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. If someone didn't have a need, they charged them more, you know, and then you have a thing and a privilege. Yeah. And, and he says, like, I mean, look how the significance of this temple um, hold on. Leviticus 10. You don't have to go there. I'll just, I'll go. Le Leviticus 10, 1 through 4. 
All right, now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, all right, Aaron and Moses, right? Each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and, remo- and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he did not command them. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near, who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. God just killed Aaron's sons. That's the, they brought before his temple something God did not authorize, and they used it um, for their, in their own motives um, and their own agenda and asked God to bless their own thing. That's not how, what, how God works. We walk in his revealed will. We don't ask him to help ours. And, and just, just the, 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 God is a holy God. That's, that's massively important. The Bible says twice that God is love. It says over 300 times that he is holy. So we should have some heed, and Jesus is restoring that. How many of the people had this uh, vision or this view of Jesus after he cleanses the temple that, man, this guy is mean, he's a radical, and they don't understand what's going on here, and they don't see themselves as the problem. Of course, Jesus, the disruptor, is the problem. And anybody who steps outside of what we imagine him who has this idea of Jesus, um, who, who thinks that Jesus should act just as they think he is, doesn't know Jesus. Because Jesus does not comply with what we imagine him. He's not the Jesus of our imaginations. That's, you know, a version, uh, our version of Jesus is not Jesus. Jesus is who he is regardless of what we think about him. Um, So we need this Jesus, because this Jesus doesn't abandon the word of God. This Jesus, completely faithful, so that we can be completely restored unto God. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be a house, uh, shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Okay, this is, this is supposed to be the place on the planet where we come subject to God. We don't bring the world in from the streets into the temple. It's inside the temple look just like the streets. This is where the business is conducted of praying, of, the, of communing with God. This is a place where God meets his people. If you read the Old Testament, the tabernacle is established uh, and Moses is that intermediated character points us to the greater Moses, who is Jesus, who is the bridge, the go-between between God and man. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. See, that's, this is what the temple's about. This is what Jesus is about. This is the heart of God. That Use my temple for this. But... When the chief priests 
and the scribes. There's a huge contrast here. Saw the wonderful things that he did. I love what Matthew calls these wonderful things. And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. All right, so the chief priests and the scribes, these were the lawyers, lawyers and high-minded of society. These were the elites of the Jewish society. When you were a kid, you would get separated and the bright ones would go over here and eventually become Pharisees and everybody else would be your, uh, uh, your tradesmen, your shepherds, your fishermen, your carpentry, your masons, your whatever. And so look at this contrast. Chief priests. So it's not just priests, chief priests. Guys in line to be who sat around Caiaphas. And scribes, lawyers, uh, high-minded, smart, educated. And they don't see what these children see. They don't say what these children say. Their confession of Jesus is a denial of Jesus. Hosanna to the son of David. These children say these and they make these scribes indignant. Jesus celebrates this in other parts of the Bible. The, Father, I praise you because you have hidden your truth from the wise and learned and revealed it to babes. No. And they, yeah. they thought they had the formula, you know. It's a, look, you look at the heart of a Pharisee and the heart of imagine a child here. The heart of a Pharisee has been trained his whole life and taught others his whole life. This is the formula, this is the way you go, obedience, the path of obedience the letter of the law. A child doesn't know anything about that. A child own, uh, own. My son wants for nothing. He is completely reliant on me and knows that he has my favor uh, and that he has my love. And a child can better see the heart of God than someone who goes through what God says but doesn't love God. Childlike faith, this dependence that the kind of faith that that doesn't have dirty glasses yet.
Yeah. I mean, we think we're right. Yeah. Our wife says it. And then they'll say we're wrong about that. Yeah. Because of the way they're being raised. Yeah. I mean, we think the movies weren't true at all. They didn't. They don't know what they're doing, but they know if they're not doing that, then they're yeah. probably wrong. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I can't believe that children are closer to that. I think that's really unfortunate that they have those connections. Or they haven't been taught. They have, orig- they have their they original have sin, you know. Yeah. They, they're born in Adam, but... They haven't been indoctrinated. They don't have, you know, a, a full track record of sinning in front of them as someone like me well, does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they're not very self-sufficient, so their trust uh, their their faith is all the higher. It's kind of a sad thing. I don't wonder if I can parent in such a way <laughs> that I would not diminish my children's faith while making them self-sufficient at the same time. I don't know. Um Yeah, it's an impossible task. Uh, yeah. I mean, parenting is an impossible task. Probably. I know that I'm on a bad day, then, like, and I'm parenting in my flesh. Then <laughs> my kids don't like me that much that day. I don't like me that much that day either. But when I'm resolved in this to boot <laughs> and stay with this throughout the, those are better days. Um, Yes. These are the people that he was ministering when he did that, when he did that revelation to Stephen. They were the, the, the low, the low, the low, uh, the ones that, 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 that they lead. Yeah. When they said that, that's amazing because mm-hmm. they saw the signs of Christ's miracles. And they believed him. As soon as he released, they began to believe him. And then you have in verse 16, or what is that? What is it? Come back to you? I'm sorry, verse 11. Verse 11. This is the prophet Jesus. And what came to my mind was, people say, well, he's a prophet, he's this, he's that. But I think what they meant this particular verse, mm-hmm. he's the first and the last because not only did he prophesy his death, he prophesied the hope for him to go for the disciples to go get the donkey because of what was going to happen back 40 years before. But he also prophesied that he would die. Prophesied about which, about Jesus that God was coming and that is Jesus. Yeah. No. Yeah. If Jesus is God, that changes everything. Yeah. There's the there's prophets and then there's those who have the gift of prophecy. Not like there was before him, yeah. 
Yeah, he's the final and the only sufficient. Yeah. Yeah, God prepared a suffering servant when they were expecting a king. Yeah, look at those who are here. The, the blind, the lame, and children. The powerless. They see it because they're completely dependent. for them and want to donate to their ministry and help them fuel their jet, go ahead. But yeah. He was a prophet, yeah. He, he was, well, Liz said it, he's prophet, king, and priest. He's all those things. That's In the book of Hebrews, it talks about he's one in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek in the Old Testament, Melchizedek was a king and a priest. So he was a type that pointed to the kind of person Jesus would be. But yeah, Jesus is, Jesus is a prophet, but not only. He is a king, but not only. He is a priest, but not only. He satisfies all those offices at once, because and in the end, we won't need a prophet, a king, and a priest. We'll have Jesus. Uh, we have Jesus is the final revelation of God. This is the final word of God, and so um, we don't. We need the Holy Spirit to help understand what He has already said, and so that's why we have the New Testament afterwards. The new, the epistles are explaining everything that Jesus did. And they count as revelation as well because that's their Holy Spirit led. Um, the apostles, the writings that we have, they were vessels of revelation themselves. Paul, Peter, John, Luke, Matthew here. And all the prophecies foreshadowed Jesus, but it's still a question. Right. Largely. The prophets, they would... Yeah, and then there's last uppercase P, prophet. Now there's, that we saw in Ephesians last week or the week before, he gave some to the church, and in that were prophets, lowercase P. Those are like ministers, people who speak a timely word. Yeah, prophesy the word. They, they do the work of prophesying, but they themselves are not prophets, so to speak. Okay? Yeah, yeah, they're... Yeah, all of the Christian faith is opening up what Jesus said. Yeah, they're just, they, they're spirit-led people, hopefully, uh, who um, speak the word of God. You, you might walk in prophecy gift here and there, yeah. I, I see Leonard as a shepherd in that. 
but he can still. Yeah. to expository preaching. We're not going back. No, no. It's a timely word. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah, it was to... Yeah, like the prophets in the Old Testament, these are, God, these are voice boxes of God to tell his people... Judgment is coming, blessings coming, like warning or blessing is coming. Go this way. It warns, it tells a lot of prophecy is telling about future events, and a lot of it is warning, and a lot of it, and it warns so that we can repent and step out into blessing, go this way, not that way. Um, and it reveals a lot about God. God reveals his nature through the people that he speaks through in the Old Testament. Um, sometimes he has the prophet do prophetic works and without words Bring one crude example uh, <laughs> Ezekiel laying on his side for this many, you know all that kind of stuff um, This should be your main source of learning. Be wary of YouTube and popular people. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is the last hour, yeah, so to speak. Mm -hmm. The next major event in human history will be the second coming of Christ, where we stand and where we exist right now, okay? The last, this is the last hour, as John says in 1 John, where between the, between the death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, between the ascension and the second coming, we live in that span. In the dispensation is what it's called. Uh, and just to finish out, um, and they were indignant, and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Like, they're so scandalous. Like, you're letting them say this about you? Is, and Jesus said to them, yes, have you read? I love that because they're masters of the word. And they, they are masters of what they don't understand. Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, that has to be the lowest kind of insult to them in a society where largely women and children don't matter and we're near say prayers to God. Thank you for making me a man. That was part of a regular prayer. Um, you have prepared praise. Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Bethany is uh, kind of camped out there this week, and, he's, and between there and the Mount of Olives. And uh, 
as the week progresses, he'll teach if you want to read this week, uh, Matthew 21 to the end of the book, that's a good idea. Everything that Jesus teaches in John 14, 15, 16, and 17, those chapters are between the Last Supper and him getting to the garden. He fills their disciples' mind with all this important, with all these important things. Those are good chapters to read this week. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for not for doing for walking every way we couldn't walk. We would appease one another. We we would feel pressured and we would give into it. But you had your eye unshifting on the will of God to fulfill the ministry that was laid out for you so that we might receive a savior who was perfectly fulfilled what was laid out for him and God you credit God the father you credit to our account what Jesus did and he has no misstep on his resume and you will look at us the same way that you look at your own son as perfect because of the perfect work of Christ. Having gone through a cross, will you forgive us of all that makes us imperfect and you help us to daily crucify the flesh so that we can walk being perfected, perfected, perfected until the day we are glorified with you and the, even the possibility of sin is removed from us so that we might live in that eternal life in that eternal day, eternally joyful and perfect, where you will wipe away every tear. And it's all, not because a drop of it is from our workings. It is all Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done to buy that for us so that we might have the hope of that. And our hope is you, yourself, as you live and breathe in no danger of falling out of heaven we are secure. As long as you are reigning and ruling, we will have life, and you have risen that to never die again, as the scripture says. So as long as you are, we will be. Thank you for the great hope that we have now, because that is true, and it's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen.